Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heath Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. So what happens a lot of times is once we get our identity and we know who we are, we get we get uh, motivated and, and empowered and, and uplifted and like we get charged. And then last week we talked about even if. So we get bold and bad. It's like even if. I don't care what happened. Even if. You, you get big and bad and you ready to take on the Goliaths of the world, the Pharaohs of the world, all that you ready to take on because you like, I know I am and even if and all that and then boom. You get hit. You get hit. How I many know that when you really get built up and you get empowered and, and you start running, you leaving past the field? How I many know that that, that 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 the enemy sometimes likes to hit you right at that moment? He, he likes to hit you at the high. See, a lot of times we look for him at the low point. But how many know the enemy? He, he'll come and like to hit you at your highest point, where where everybody praising your name, everybody lifting you up. You just got a good job, you just got a promotion, you got a raise. Your your kids acting right. They they got good grades in school. Everything everything all lined up, and then boom. And even so much so that a lot of us will even shun good things happening in our life because we say, well, you know, it's bound to something bound to happen now because it's been going too good. Something bound to happen. Now, see, I'm not talking about that because I don't believe in self-prophesying negativity into our lives. Amen. So we can't expect good things. Amen. Amen. But we always supposed to be what? Prepared. Prepared. And then what happens when you get hit like that? You've been built up, you've been walking, and all of a sudden you get hit. And you get what? Discouraged. Frustrated. That's what we're talking about today. Dealing with that babble of discouragement. Because you got the scripture, you got the power, you got the you got the fearless attitude, but but for some reason when you start to walk, you you get hit and, and you get hit here and you get hit there and and, and, and pretty soon you're getting frustrated because it is taking longer than you wanted to. We talked about it in Bible study, waiting on God, you know, and it's taking longer. So that frustration sets in that that and all that frustration and, and, and discord and confusion and all that really is just discouragement. It's that to discourage us. Right. Amen? Because if you look at the word discourage, you, you, got, you got two words right there. and It's, it's, a, it's the prefix is this. D-I-S. I ain't talking about this or that. I'm talking about this. <laughs> Amen? D-I-S, which means a part or a way or having a negative reversing force. Keep that in mind. Reversing force. 
So that lets us know that there's a force that's operating. Amen? That, that it's not just haphazard. It's just not an accident. The reason why some of these things are sent into your life to discourage, it, it, it's a force that's operating. What does Paul tell us? He tells us that, that we're not dealing with flesh and blood here. Amen? We're dealing with, we're dealing with something a little, little deeper than that. Amen. And then courage. Courage, the definition of that is the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, etc. without fear. So it means that you, you got dangerous situations, you got difficult situations, but yet you run into it without fear, almost like a firefighter. You know the building is burning down, but you run in anyway without fear because you know you're prepared. You know you're ready to go. You know God has charged you. You got scripture. You stand on it. You fasting. You praying. You reading your Bible. You built up, and you run in. Mm -hmm. But then you get in there and you realize it's a little more than what you bargained for. And like your mama used to say, you bit off more than you can chew. Your eyes were bigger than your stomach. Amen. And a lot of us do that in life. And so that when you put those two words together, discouragement, you have a, a, a reversing force that takes away the quality of your mind or spirit that enables you to run into difficult situations. But now you have fear. So the discouragement is there to deprive us of courage, to deprive us of hope, to deprive us of confidence, to dishearten us, to dispirit us. That's what the discouragement is there. It's there to take you off your track. It, it, it's a distraction. That's what it's there for. Because the enemy knows, yeah, they, they think they got it going on. They, they tell me, I know I am, and even if and all that. Yeah, I'm going to test all that. I'm going to see even if. I'm going to see even if they talking all that, they professing all that, they speaking and confessing all that, but let me just test that thing. And how many know that God will allow it? What? <laughs> now don't get me wrong, God doesn't make bad things happen to you. He doesn't, he doesn't cause bad things to happen to you, but he will allow them. Why? Because he, first of all, wants to test the word that's inside of you. Don't think it's strange that some of the tests that you might be going through are a little harder or a little more difficult than you, than you might want to be going through. But how many know that God won't put you through a test that he knows you can't pass? That's why he's probably not talking to you right now about some of y'all saying God ain't talking to me. Well, guess what? The, the teacher don't speak during the test. Why? Because they already equipped you before the test. You should have all your notes. You should have all your study time in. This ain't time to cram. This ain't time to pull out the cheat sheets. This is time now to go ahead and take out your number two pencil and bubble in the dots. Amen? Amen. Right. But not to get discouraged. Not to get discouraged. See, discouragement comes or, or causes us to react to a circumstance instead of acting on God's promises. See, it causes us to react instead of act on. See, it, 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 comes to, it comes to get a reaction out of us. That's all discouragement is there for. It, it's a force. So that's why I want y'all to start really looking at this thing. It's coming for a reaction. It's trying to get a reaction out of it. Okay, I'm going to take it out to Spooky Pookie. When, when, when somebody, you feeling all good and you run into that Debbie Downer. That person who just, you know, they, they, they coming at you with a negativity. Or you pick up that phone and everything was going good till you picked up the phone and they was on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. 
And now you like, oh God. They done dumped their whole trash into your yard now. And then you dealing with they mess and you dealing with they phone. And you feeling all you feeling more discouraged than they was with the problem they left you with. Cast that thing out, amen. Because trash ain't gonna move itself, amen. And see, what we got to do is we have to learn how to deal with discouragement. But we look at that from the standpoint that realize that, one, there's always a messenger. There's always a messenger of discouragement. There's always something that's planting that thought into your head to make you be discouraged. It don't just show up out of nowhere. It's not magic. It's no pixie dust falling out. There's something. There's a root cause to the discouragement. And then the reason why, number two, is because it's looking to make you react. To react. And if you look at that word, react, then that's two words. Re means to act again. Well, that means to make you act outside of what you were already acting. You was already walking straight. You was already living straight. You was already talking straight. But now this discouraging force comes out of nowhere, and now it's trying to get you to react, to rethink how you acting, to rethink how you talking, to rethink how you walking. It's trying to get you to react, to react. But then lastly, you got to realize with discouragement, there's always God's grace over there. Thank you, Jesus. There's always God's grace. Always God's grace. Amen. Amen. His grace is what? Sufficient for us. Amen. But see, what we got to realize is that a lot of times when discouragement comes into our life, we get the incorrect view of the situation. Mm -hmm. And, And what I mean by that is there's an order to everything. And what usually happens is we go, we look at the situation, then we look at ourselves in that situation, and then if we got a little time left over, a little mind left over, then we might look at God. How many know that's the wrong order? See, because we we reversing things. We put the situation, the circumstance at the top, and we making that seem like it's bigger than everything. Now I know some people saying, "Well, you know, I ain't, I, I don't do that." But but that trust me, there is one thing that you have not been delivered from that you still put as God over your life. Amen. And what I mean by that is, some people might not have an issue with 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 with, with, with food, so to speak. So no matter what, for us fasting or whatever, they can just let that go. It's like it ain't no big deal to me. I don't. Have nothing, but so where somebody else might have an issue with money, and now that's all they worry about, that's all they think about, that's all they talk about. That that, that means that you putting that thing over the over God. That means you're looking at this money, that's where your hope is. We talked about last week. That's that's your boat that you're trying to float in. And now you're wondering about yourself, and then God comes up a little last. Amen. But now where's the scripture? Because we talk to, we, have, we always got to have scripture. Amen. This is church. Amen. <laughs> I've been talking about scripture, but I'm finna show you something. Amen. Because we used Moses the first week and we used Paul the second week. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Job will be a good one because he, 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 he could have been very discouraged. But one we're going to use is somebody who really was very discouraged, depressed, and almost suicidal. Anybody want to guess? Elijah. There you go, Elijah. First King chapter 19. First King chapter 19. We talking about Mr. Elijah. Somebody who can help us with our discouragement. Somebody who can show us 
all the ins and outs. And we're going to talk about the six keys. And when I re- reason why I'm calling them keys, because keys are meant to do what? Unlock some things. But keys are also meant to do what? Give access. Keys are also meant to do what? Show you authority. Amen. Remember when the little Jeff used to walk around the school and all them keys on things? That, that was a symbol of authority. You shake them, squeak them, squeak them, let you know. I can open every door in here. <laughs> I can open every door in here. But there was authority. So keys represent authority also. It lets people know who, who own the thing. Amen? First King chapter 19. First King chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, Ahab told Jezebel. See, we already starting off. If y'all know anything about Jezebel. If you know anything about Jezebel, we already starting off on a bad foot. Because we got Ahab telling Jezebel all that Elijah had done. See, there's somebody out there telling telling somebody about all that you're doing. She thinks you got it going on. He thinks he got it. Oh, he don't Yeah, we, we, we just going to see how that's going to turn out. It's somebody always praying against you. Amen. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, remember I said discouragement always has a messenger. So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What is she saying long story short? She's saying I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And if I don't then may the gods kill me. Amen. And then she said in verse 3 it said in verse 3, then he was afraid. He was afraid. Just from a message. Just from a letter. Just from something written down. Just from a text message. From a Facebook status. From a, from a voicemail. He became discouraged. He became discouraged. And he arose and ran for his life. That's how discouraged he was. Running for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. See, discouragement will do you like that. It'll, it'll move you out of your right position and have you running, running on your emotions. And now you find yourself out in the wilderness. Then it says, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. See, in your lowest point, in your lowest place, he sitting here saying, God, just take my life. I don't even want to deal with this thing that I'm going through right now. I don't want to deal with this situation I'm going through. This pain, this misery, this frustration, this agony. I don't want to have to deal with this right now. Please just take my life. He didn't even say take this situation from me. He would pass that. He was saying take my life from me. How many know that's discouraged? That's See, a lot of us are praying, take this situation, take this circumstance from me. But he, he passed that. He like, you know what? Just take my life. Just take my life. I don't even want to deal with this no more. But the angel touched him and said, get up. See, change your position. Anytime you see a rise in the Bible, that means come up out of your lowly thinking. Come up out of your low circumstance. Come out of your low-to-bar situation. Come up and rise so that you can see the truth. Because how many know that what you see while you laying down or sitting down is different than when you stand up? Your perspective changes when you stand. 
Amen. 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 So the angel says, arise. And in verse 6 it says, and he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And it's too much to even go in right there. But see, we got the cake, which is bread, which is the word of God, break on hot stone, which is the which is the stone or the rock of God, and the joy of water, which is the Holy Spirit. So see, he had the Trinity sitting right there with him. God says, I'm gonna come and commune with you right in your most desperate time, right in your most messed up situation. Not only am I gonna show up, but we all gonna show up. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're gonna come and help you set this thing in order. And then it says he ate and drank and lay down again. So how many know it still wasn't over? And the angel of the Lord said, came again a second time and touched him and said, arise. See, get up. Because see, how many know we can be touched by the word of God? We can come to the altar and get here, lay hands on it, and we can pray and feel good. But then again, that discouraging thought, that babble comes right back up in your head. Because see, we didn't really deal with the babble. We didn't break through the babble. Because the babble will come up and say, don't you remember when? Don't you remember if? Don't you remember how? Don't you remember what they said? Don't you remember what he did? Don't you remember how you felt? Don't you? So it sort of reminds you of the past. Yeah. And then you find yourself laying down again. But see, we got a God that's a God of circumstances. Well, he don't come in, he don't come and lambast Elijah. He don't come and, 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 and judge Elijah. He just come and say, Arise, get up again. Come on, get up, get up and eat, because this journey is too great for you. You gotta prepare. Cause see, it's someone he's trying to tell him something right now. But how many know that sometimes we discourage, we so caught up in our emotions that we can't really hear what God's trying to say. He's trying to tell him this journey that you own is too great for you. You ain't got time to be laying here right here looking at this little situation. This just a step along the way. And don't you know that your journey, your promise that I have for your life is much greater than what you're going through right now? See, if you even really listen to me, I just said what you're going through right now. So you got to know that you're going through that thing. You're not coming to here. You're going through there. I got somewhere else for you to go. But you got to arise and get up out of what you're feeling right now. Out of what you're feeling right now. We talked about last week. You can't be steered by your emotions. We walk by what? The spirit. And so then in verse 8, he's, it says he finally got it. He arose and ate and drinking, went in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he running to God. That's what you do when you get discouraged. You run to God. And then it says in verse 9, it says, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I ain't even going to deal with that right now. <laughs> then in verse 10, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord of the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I even only I live, and they seek my life to take it away. Basically, he whining. How many of us come in the presence of God like that and call it prayer? Okay, I'm going to keep going. And he said, go out and stand. This is God. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great strong wind toward the mountains and broke in pieces of the rocks before the land, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind and the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the earthquake of the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of the low whisper. All that. Mm -hmm. All that and God was just in a whisper. Mm -hmm. 
And then in verse 13 it says, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Two times. Two times. Before I go any further, I, 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 we got to back up a little bit because I don't want to get too far ahead of uh, what we're doing. Because remember I told you I was going to give you six keys. Key number one is, is when you get discouraged of what Elijah should have done. But And we can easily sit here and say, Elijah, why you didn't do this? But but how many know we, we, we really be like Elijah sometimes? So we need to ask ourselves, why you didn't act like this? See, the discouraging comes for a reaction. How, when, when, when Jezebel sent that message to him, what was his reaction? He ran. And it says he ran for his life. But see, what we should have, what Elijah should have did, what we should do when discouraging things come to us is key number one, look back. What he had just done. Look back. See, what Elijah had just done, Elijah, you got to look back on what God had already done for you. God ain't bought you this far to drop you off right here. See, God, Elijah came up to Ahab and said, you know what? It ain't going to rain till I say it rain. And it didn't rain. Elijah had came and had, had had the ravens feed him. The widow fed him. The widow child died. He brought the widow child back to life with the power of God. Then he called down the fire of God on the prophets of Baal and had all of them destroyed. And then he's sitting here running from a letter. How many of us do that? We get that one little letter, that one little message, that one doctor's report, that, that one bad text message, that one voicemail, that one person talking about us, that one that one bad situation, and then we start running for our life. Not running to God, but running for our life. Why we gotta run for our life when God already gave us life? Because see, the thing is, we got to look back. Key number one, look back. Because know what God already has done for you. Even when I was out in the world doing wrong, I always used to say I stood on the fact that God ain't bought me this far to drop me off right here. I know it's more to this than more to this life than where I am right now. I know it's more to what I'm doing. I know it's more. It's got to be more. He didn't bring me this far to drop me off right here. He should have killed me back then. He should have let me die right there. He should have not let me wake up from the suicide until then. He didn't bring me this far to drop me off right here. Yeah. Right. Amen. See, you gotta look back. Yeah. That's why that little, if you go to go to some Baptist church, you see the little table sitting in the front of the communion. What does it say on the front? This doing remembrance of me. Well, what are you remembering? Right. Right. It ain't just a table that they open up on first Sundays and put the white sheet over. It's saying, do, do this in remembrance. Remember what I've done for you. Remember who I am. Remember. What has God already done for you? What has God already done? Then the number two, the key number two is we got to look around. Look around. We look back, but now we look around. Why do we look around? Because we got to look around and see who can encourage us. Because remember, we're discouraged, so we need somebody to encourage. This is to take away, in is to put into. So we need somebody to speak into your life. I know they say encourage yourself, but how many know sometimes you can't encourage yourself because you don't feel like it. Sometimes you don't even want nobody to encourage you. Don't come around me with all that scripture. Don't come around me with all that yin. I don't feel like all that positive things and stuff. I don't feel like that right now. Well, guess what? If you get around a person like that, say, well, okay, I ain't going to say nothing, but I'm just going to sit down. Because sometimes you just sit down with the presence of God on you. You ain't got to say nothing, but the presence of God 
God will shift the atmosphere because you don't need to say nothing out your mouth anyway because you might not say the right thing because you're trying to speak to them out of your flesh and by what you see because you ain't walking in the spirit either. You're just going by what you see, what they going through. Sometimes you just got to bring your presence of God into their situation and say, I don't know what to say, but I know God. I know I am. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I know even if. See, we can't be like Elijah in, 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 in verse 3. It says he was afraid and rose and, and he ran and he left his servant. He left his servant right there and then he kept on running. He left the very person who was there to serve him, to help him, who can lift him up. He left him. How many know that's what the enemy wants us to do? The enemy wants us to isolate ourselves when we go through things and we're dealing with issues like everybody else ain't. It's funny how they say the church is the place for the sick, but then everybody want to come here and play like they healed, like they got it all going on. They want to fake the phone. So now the people who really got issues, they don't want to show up because they like, well, everybody left perfect. I got to get perfect before I come. The devil is a lie. You can't get perfect till you come. But the enemy wants us to isolate ourselves because and, and, and I, because what happens is like the little lion. It says that he's like a lion seeking whom he can devour. Well, it's just like one of the little animal show. He's looking for that little antelope or that, that, little, that little gazelle off by itself who ain't watching, who ain't got nobody watching his back. And that's what happens when we get discouraged. We get off by ourselves. Some people call it depression. Some people call it down in the blues or whatever they want to call it. But you don't really want to deal with nobody. Uh, some people even call a sabbatical. I'm going on sabbatical. You know, I don't, I ain't got, I don't really want to be bothered with nobody. I'm writing everybody off. The devil lives a lie because if you write everybody off, the only way you get blessed is through people. God don't come down here like a genie out of a bottle. He bless you through people. He laid something on their heart so that they can come and bless you. Amen. That's why he told Adam, it's not good for man to be alone, all one. You can't be one together. You can't be one. So you look back, one, you look around, number two. Then the third key, remember the keys gives you access, authority. It, it unlocks some things. I hope we unlocking some things when you're going through these discouraging times. You first, the, third, the third thing you got to do is look out. You look out. What am I saying? Look out for what's feeding you that babble. Is it you? Are you feeding yourself? Are you allowing other people to feed you that Bible? See, Elijah had been running for 40 days. Had the word of God come into his life. The, the, the angel spoke to him not once, but twice. Two is a number of covenant. So he's like, I'm establishing something with you, Elijah. He says, you got a journey that's greater. He's like, Jeremiah, I know a plan for you, Elijah. This is, I know for your expected end. This ain't your end. This is just a little Jezebel trying to manipulate the situation. This ain't where it's going to stop. But he was feeding himself, not clearly thinking, letting the emotions get the best of him. Why? Because if you look in verse 10, the, 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 as soon as God asked him a question, what are you doing here? Verse 10, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So see, he he's caught all up in his emotions because not only is he is he is he running for his life, 
But now he's sitting there thinking like, you know what, I'm the only one who loves you, God. So now, you know, a little pride even slipping in there. Because, he, he, you know, he's like, if, 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 then he, it's like, God, if you if you had made other people be like me, then everything would have been all right. God, see, why you put me in this situation? If I had been born into a better family, if you, God, why you let me be born here? If I had been born in Los Angeles and not Marietta, see, God, why you got to do all this? See, if, if you had to just line everything up right, God, I know they say you don't make mistakes. Thanks, God, but you might have just kind of messed up just a little bit right here. God, that's why I'm discouraged. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It ain't got nothing to do with that Jezebel, God. It's kind of like you didn't line everything up. You let this stuff happen to me. And see, we go to the throne room and we spend time instead of fellowshipping with God, we fellowship with our problems. We run down a list of problems instead of a list of promises. See, when you go before the throne room, God don't need to know all your problems. How you don't think he don't know? If you know what they are, don't you think he already know? Go to the, and so he knows he's nobody rehearsing the problem. Rehearse the promise. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you got to know your problem in order to connect it to the promise. Meaning like if you got a pain or, or the doctor didn't get you a wrong report, yeah, that's the problem. But when you go through the throne room, you say, God, I know who I am. And you say, by your stripes, I am healed. So I'm not even going to rehearse what the doctor said. I'm rehearsing what you said, God, because you said that your words should not return to you for. You said that the heaven and the earth may pass away. I know that doctor in the heaven and I know that doctor in the earth. So he going to pass away. But you said your words shall not pass away. So God, let's get with it. I'm going to pick myself up. See, that's how you encourage yourself. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Because you encourage yourself with the word of God. Amen. You look out what's feeding you the Bible. See, the angel tried to feed him the word because he baked them a cake. The cake is the bread, which is the word, put it on a hot rock, which is which is the son of God, which then he gave him some water, which is the Holy Spirit. So he's trying to impart some things into him. People say, well, the Holy Spirit wasn't in the Old Testament, then you don't really know nothing about God. The Holy Spirit was in the beginning. He says in the beginning that the Spirit hovered over the earth and the water. So, so the Spirit was always there with the people. They just didn't understand the fullness thereof or taking it in. But see, he's trying to teach them something right here. He's saying, you know what? I want you to realize who you really are. You don't have to be that way. Arise. Get up. Arise. Get up. Arise. Get up. And so then in verse 11, that's the, the, the next key we find in verse 11. Because we got to look back is key one. Look around is key two. Look out is key three. Now in verse 11 we find the fourth key, which is to look up. Look up. Because in verse 11 what does he say? What does God say? He says, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. He said, come out your cave. Meaning, come out your mind. Because see, that's really what the cave represents is our mind. Because we can hide ourselves in our own thoughts. And he says, come out your mind. Come out your, come out your thought. Lean not to your own understanding. Change your position. See, here again, he's saying, change your position. And he's saying, come out on the mount. Yes. Come out on the mount, but not just any mount. He says, come out on the mount of what? The Lord. Come out on the mount before the Lord. So see, even in our worst situation, even in our most depressed situation, discouraged situation, God don't chastise us in terms of encouragement. He says, come closer. Come on. I, I know what you're going through, son. I know what you're going through, daughter. Come on. 
Come on out. Come out of your cave with discouragement. Stand on the mount. Meaning, see, the mountain is the mountain. Come out on the edge of the mountain. That means to go to a higher place for which we was created. He says, come higher. Come higher. Come higher. Come higher. Come higher. That's a word for somebody right now. To come higher. Come on out of your mind and come higher into God. Come higher into God before the Lord. Gazing at his beauty and in his strength. So you got to take your eyes off of what you're going through and take your eyes off the, uh, put your eyes on God. Because what did we say last week? We don't have faith in the how when we got faith in the who. Yes. Amen. He says, come on out, Elijah. Come on out your mind. So we, we, we look up. We look up to God. Like the word says, look into the hills. What? Which come your help. Your help is there. And what is help? Help is just a fancy acronym that means heal, empower, love, and protect. If somebody ain't doing that, they ain't helping you. If they're not healing you, if they're not empowering you, if they're not loving you, they're not protecting you, then they're not helping you. Yes, that's good. All right. Good point. So he says, look up. Look up. Look up. Look up. Look up. Then our fifth key is. Do we need, do I need to repeat them? Key number one, look back. Key number two, look around. Key number three, look out. Key number four, look up. Now we got the most deepest key around. Most deepest. I know that ain't grammatically correct, but you know, sometimes you gotta add that <laughs> to it to make it make a point, like more better. Amen. Because I got an education. I know when I'm speaking grammatically wrong. Amen. Look in is the key. Look in. Look in. And that means look within yourself. Look within yourself. When we look at it in verse 12, it says right there, in the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Where is God? Is he missing? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And then after the fire, it says, it says, it says, I mean, uh, verse 11, I'm sorry, says, God said, go out into the thing, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces of the rock before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind and the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then in verse 12, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So see, there was a wind, there was an earthquake, and there was a fire, oh my. But he didn't see none of, he didn't see God in none of that. See, how many know that God was trying to show him something right there? God trying to say, trying to show you like, look, it don't, it don't take all that. Exactly. It don't take all that. Plus, you're looking at how I used to do things. See, because see, the wind represented how he parted the Red Sea. So when Elijah saw the wind, he might have been like, okay, I remember God parting the Red Sea. I read that in the Torah. I understand. And then the earthquake represented the when when God shook the Mount Sinai when when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. So Elijah said he must be established some order in this place. And the fire represented the when when Israel was being led through the wilderness by the fire. So God, he, Elijah said, God was getting ready to leave me out by this, but he didn't see God in none of that. He didn't see God in none of that because God was in a what a small voice, a whisper. A whisper. A whisper. What is God really trying to say right there? It says in verse 13, it says, Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in a cloak and went and stood out at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
Again, he asked him a second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, why are you here? See, that's an inward question. Look in. Out of everybody, why are you here? Why are you here? See, I look at that question as, why are you here? I know why they might be here, why they might be discouraged, why they might be down, why they might be frustrated, why they might be weary, why they might be messed up in the head, why they might be dealing with the Bible, but why are you here? Why are you here? Jezebel didn't drive you here. You did. What are you accomplishing by being here, Elijah? What are you focusing on, Elijah? What has your mind in the grips, Elijah? Of all people, why are you here? See, that's an inward question. Because God is trying to tell him, I've given you something. I've given you something. He's trying to tell us, I've given you something. I've given you the spirit, the Holy Spirit. It says I give you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I, I know that you might get discouraged, but see, you got you to gotta get away from that dis, and you bring that in. Know what's in you. Greater that is in you than that that is what? In the world. See, that's where all that stuff comes into play. He's saying it's in you already. He says my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because I'm in you. He says we were made righteous by, by him. We were put in one accord with him. So we are one with him. That's right. So why are we there? Yeah, we all get discouraged when we find our place in us, ourselves in a place of discouragement. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not knocking anybody. I get discouraged. Trust me, when you're trying to do something that's outside of your own mindset, that's outside of your own strength, that's outside of your own understanding, how many know that discouragement will come? Discouragement comes, but we got to know how to deal with it, how to fight it, how to break past it, how to get past that thing. We can't wallow in it. We can't be like Eliza and still just laying in it like, you know what, just let me die, God. Just let me die, God. There's nothing that bad. There's nothing that bad. Trust me, I'm, I'm speaking from what I heard, I mean what I know, not what I heard. There is no thing that bad. There is no, and I made that promise. God said there will be nothing ever that will have that much control over me ever again in my life that will make me want to take my own life, the life that you gave me. There is nothing that bad. Yeah, there is nothing. I know people were being homeless. It still ain't that bad. It still ain't that bad because I'll find a building to break into and lay down before I destroy my own life. Then I have a house, amen, because they're going to lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> See God working out, amen. Sure Three squares. <laughs> Some people do that just for that, amen. And they do. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Nothing is that bad. So we gotta, we gotta, when we get to those things, why you say, hold every thought captive. When that battle of discouragement start coming in, you gotta ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I here? When I battle that discouragement and they, they try to, cause discouragement is, is a close cousin to that, to that depression. And see what depression, all depression is, is a hop, skip, and a jump that's saying, you know what, what you're going through right now ain't going to never change. And you become depressed in that, meaning you press down by that situation because you believe there's nothing else going to ever change. This is how it's always going to be. This is how it always will. Ain't nothing else going to change no matter what I do, what I say, where I go, who I talk to, what I deal with, how much I pray, how much I fast. It's never going to be different. 
always alive. Always. And that's why we got to start looking at ourselves and say, you know what? Why am I here? I can. That's the confession for the day. I know I didn't say it because we said it up the first week was, well, you know, I know I am. And then we know, I know God will. But then you say, I know I can. I know I can. Why? Because I know I am. I know I can. Why? Because God said he will. See, God gave him a promise at the beginning. He said, this journey is too great for you. He said, Elijah, I understand. This thing is too great for you. For you. But not for me. So that's the part you didn't get. See, that's the revelation right there. God knows what you're going through is too great for you. I know people say, God ain't going to give you nothing that you can't handle. That's a lie. That's a lie. That, that keeps us only dealing with stuff that we can handle. That's right. Y'all will get there when you get on. See, don't let, see, some stuff get said in church and we say it out of tradition, but you know, God ain't going to never give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Because he's trying to build you up. How else, how else you going to build on strength if you only lifting five pounds? That ain't going to build no strength. You got to get up under some weight. You got to get up under some resistance so you can push that thing off. Yeah, you struggling. Oh, my God, I can't get this thing up off. You feel like it's about to fall down on you. Like if you're pushing barbells, about to chop your throat in hand. But you know what? You got a spotter called God who says, you know what? I'm standing over you. It's too heavy for you, but I can lift it up for you. And then I can just let it come back down easy because I don't want you to get off the bench. I need you to keep lifting weights because I need you to get stronger. See, we pray for God to take us from a thing. God say, no, I need you to stay in the fire because there's something I'm trying to do with this thing called a fire that's in your life. I'm trying to prove two things. One, to you that you won't be burned and two, everybody watching will know you won't be burned. Yes. The boys, the boys, Man. the boys, the boys, the even if boys, yes. the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's right. That's right. Because then, what did it say in that scripture? It says that the king what looked in. Yeah. <laughs> see, when people start looking in on you, what they gonna see? Uh-huh. See, we can't be Christians walking around here. Again, don't get me wrong. I know stuff happens. I know we go through things. But when people look in, we got to be like many other afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord God delivers us from them all. Yeah, I might be going through some things, but this ain't where I am. I might be in some situations right now, but this ain't my destiny. I might not have it all together right now, but this is not where it is. I might not have it all figured out right now, but I know somebody who does. I'm looking in and I'm seeing what is not as though it already is. Because inside of me is perfection. Inside of me is grace. Inside of me is completeness. Inside of me is hope. Inside of me is deliverance. Inside of me is, is prosperity. Inside of me is grace. Inside of me is God. Yes, yes, yes. So we look in. Look in. But then we can't be like Elijah. Because <laughs> if you go back to the scripture, Elijah, after even after all that, God says, Where are you? What, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 14, <laughs> he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of God alone, for the people of Israel ever seen. I ain't even gonna read it again because the same exact words. See, some of us can rehearse all discouragement. We get so used to it. Something, you know, misery love company. You know, hey, you run, you know, them kind of folks. You, 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 you can talk to them today, and then you ain't got to talk to them for two years from now. And, they, and inside, you like, and you sit down, and, and that that irritates me. So I'm like. 
They had like they told me this story before. Yeah. And I just said they're like, oh, for yeah, real? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm stubbornly dumping out. I'm like, yeah. okay. Cause I ain't letting that stuff stick on me. Mm-mm. Never no no. I can't let it stick right here. Because see, some people wanna stay stuck. Some people want to stay stuck, but how many know we not going to be those people? We don't want to stay stuck. Yeah, we will. We get stuck, but don't stay stuck. Because, you know, I keep it 100. I'm not saying that, that we never going to get discouraged because of this message. We never going to be down on it. No, what it is is saying these are the keys to unlock the door when you do find yourself there. Look back and see what God did for you. Look up to see who God is to help you out. Look inside of yourself to see really what God made you to be. When you get discouraged, look around and see. You might need to get rid of some of them folks around you because they the ones who help bringing that discouragement. Well, you know, ain't nobody, can't nobody get that job. I ain't never, these folks don't ever get no raise around here. They're little, I don't know what they used to do, but because I'm here, they, their money finna change. They finna start giving raises up out around here. So you can't get you can't get into those little parties. That's the only thing I don't like about being at work. I used to work at home, and that's the one thing I have to always I have to walk away from those kind of things. Cause you get them little groups of people, and they start talking about the company and talking about. But and I'm like, y'all don't got what's the, what's the point? And if you if you ain't careful, you be right there co-signing. Yeah, that is right. There. I don't like them either. Yeah, and then you be like, and I caught myself. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll wait a minute. I gotta get back in shape. You know, I forgot this how it is in the office. You know, they start doing this stuff. Because I found myself getting in them conversations. Yeah, it is messed up, ain't it? it, it. No, the devil lives a lot like you. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you caught up. You be the very one out the door. That's right. Very one. They just So we got to know who is around. Yes. Yes. But we can't be like Elijah right here where he comes back, he falls right back in. But how many know God again is a God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chance? Yeah, because yeah, in verse 14, we had a last key, which is look beyond. Oh, yes, Lord. And it says, and the Lord said to him, even after all this whining, I can imagine what God do to us. He said, okay, I'm going to let them get through with it. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, you, you, you finish it? Okay. Uh, Jesus, you see? You, you hear him, right? Jesus sitting right there like, <laughs> he must have forgotten what I did. <laughs> he don't realize what I did. <laughs> Why? You know, they just laughing at him. Holy Spirit, like, sitting there like a mama. She like, Lord, I murdered my baby. My poor child just ain't going to never learn. So in verse 15, it says, you know what? God says, you know what? The Lord said to him, go. <laughs> you like, go. Because <laughs> all the amount of times I talk to you right here, you ain't going to get it. Go. Just get on. And return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. He said, go on back to the wilderness. You, you just, it's still some processing you need to do. There's some things you need to go through. He says, but when you arrive, she catch that right there. Yeah. See, that's the Luke Beyond part right there. He said, go back to the wilderness, because you still stuck right there. So I need to get you back the way you got stuck at so that I can pull you up out of there. Because I'm sitting you right in the presence of me, but some reason you won't get unstuck. So I need to put you back in the place where you got stuck. See, some of us need to go back to, to see where we got stuck at, where we got discouraged at, where we picked up that luggage at, and we need to go back to that thing. I ain't saying you got to go talk to that person. I ain't 
ain't saying you got to go move back to that place, but I'm saying in your mind, just go back there and say, you know what? I need to undo that thing. I need to leave that there what I picked up. Right. Write that letter of forgiveness to that person. I know they did you wrong. I know they didn't make you right. I know they hurt you. But write that letter and say, you know what? I'm finna get unstuck. I'm not gonna be discouraged by this thing no more. Amen. Amen. And when you arrive, and when you arrive, then let them know right there, when you arrive. Not if you arrive, when you arrive. How many know that God don't make no mistake? He could have said, if you arrive, then do this. He said, no, when you arrive. Yes. That's to look beyond. That's to look at the promises that God has already spoke over your life. The promises that God has spoken in this word of God. Look beyond your circumstance. Look beyond what you're going through. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? For the Lord is with me, his rod and his staff. They would comfort me. But we walk through the shadows of the valley of death. But see, we focus on the shadows and not the sun, which is one casting the shadow. No sun, no shadow. But we're looking at the shadows while we're walking through. And then what happens, we get so focused on the shadows, we start shadow boxing, and when the shadows beat us up, or we can't beat them, we get discouraged. So we stop walking. We get stuck. God say, go back into your valley, stop fighting them shadows, and when you get into that valley, I need you to look up to the sun, the S-U-N, cause we're not talking about the S-O-N. Look to the word of God when you're in that valley and go on through that thing. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. No sun, no shadows. Yes. So you got to look beyond. You got to look beyond. You got to look beyond. Look beyond. That's the last key. He said, then go return your way. When you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Assyria. See, God needs you to get through this thing so that you can encourage somebody else. God, you say, well, I don't know. I ain't no, I'm just little old me. I ain't no pastor. I ain't no, see, it ain't even about all that. We are disciples of Christ. It says, go into all the world and make disciples. Amen. That means to train up, to encourage, to equip. It says, you eat so that you can go feed somebody else. That's right. That's right. Amen. And then it said, he said to make king over Syria. So that's that he's telling, he's saying, he's saying, you gotta go show somebody their authority. You gotta go show somebody their dominion. Look beyond yourself. Quit whining about what you're going through. This is only for to make you stronger so that you can show them how to get through. How you gonna tell somebody how to get through something you ain't never been through yourself? And then it says in 16, and Jehuda, son of, of Nilshi, you shall anoint the king over Israel. See now he 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 shifting some things. He's saying he's saying Ahab was the king, but I'm finna shift some things through by what you went through. See there's some kings over situations in your life that because now you keep yourself up out of discouragement, you can shift some things over your family. You can shift some things over your life. You can shift some things over your community. Yeah, yeah. Man, man, man. And then it says a lie. It did get Elisha, the the son of Shaphat of of Abel Mahala. Who shall anoint to be the prophet in your place? God said, put a succession plan in place. That's right. Put a succession plan in place because it got to stay going. I'm a living God. 
you're going to die one day. That's just the time of man. He said, put a succession plan. Show, show somebody. He says, a good man leaves, a, a, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Show your children. Show, show, show people who ain't your children. Show, show them how to get through this thing. Show them the key. Give them the key. So when you stop driving that car, they can just get in there and crank it up. They ain't got to figure out how everything works. They ain't got to fall down in the same places. They ain't got to run to the cage like you did. They'll know where they are and who they are and whose they are. Yes, yes. Amen. 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 And then lastly in verse 17 it says, and the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to put death. And then in verse 18, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. That's the beyond. That's the promise. Because you remember what Elijah was saying. I, I, I'm the only one. I ain't this. You should have left me. Kill me, God. And that was the promise. God said, look beyond. He said, I done left 7,000. He said, you think you're the only one. You think you're the only one going through this. You think you're the only one dealing with this. I got 7,000 just like you waiting on you to get up out your mess so that you can bless them and show them how to run with it. I got 7,000 who didn't bow down to bail. I got 7,000 who risked their life. They didn't run like you, Elijah. They didn't go to the cave, but they still need somebody to show them, God. They need somebody to show them. And Elijah, I need you to arise and get up out your situation. I need the Elijahs in this house to arise up out your situation. Because we got people out there that are hurting, that are dying, that are falling down because they need somebody to inspire them. Inspiration ain't nothing but letting somebody know this too shall pass this too shall pass I don't know how I don't know when I don't know how, how it's going to get there but I know who's going to do it and I know who, I know it's not an if it's not a maybe it's only a win because it says those that wait on the Lord Jesus. See, that's where the discouragement comes sometimes because we got to wait. But it says you shall renew your wings like eagles and you shall not get weary. He says you can run, but you ain't going to get weary. Why? Because you're running with that word. You know it no matter what I face, no matter what I deal with, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what try to attack me, no matter what try to come against me, what they say, what she say, what they doing, and all that. The people say, make your haters your motivator. I don't want nobody hating on me to motivate me. I need the word of God because them haters going to be gone. What's going to motivate me then? I need the word of God to keep on going in my life. Make God your motivator. Look beyond. Look in. Look up. Look out. Look around. Look back. Look back. What have you done for you? Look around. Look out. Look in. Look up. Look around. Look, just look. All that's really saying is change your perspective. Make God be here, be in you, be in your situation. That's the right order. Yes, 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 yes. Because God is the head, and then your situation is below your feet. Said, I will make your enemies your footstool. What is a footstool? A footstool is when the king used to sit down and then they would rest their feet on that. He says, I'm making the very thing that's causing you unrest to give you rest. 
That's what the enemy your footstool is. Sit down and get your rest in this thing. Quit tw twisting and turning. Walk away from that thing. It says resist the devil and he shall flee. Resist that Jezebel, they'll flee. If he wanted to kill you, you would have been dead. The messenger would have killed Elijah. If she really wanted him dead, she didn't want him dead. She wanted to intimidate him. See, the enemy don't even really want you dead. He want to intimidate you and discourage you and depress you and put you in despair so that you can make a covenant with him so that you can be impregnated with his mess so that you can go out and make everybody else the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. He wants you to infect the world with negativity. Yes, Lord. He don't want you to die because if he wants you to die, you would have been dead. Yes, that's true. That's right. But we got to move past that. Yes, thank you. And know who we are. Amen. Yes. Know who we are. Yes. Know who we are in God. Those that wait on God. Those that wait. Those that wait. So I just want to do a rejoice right now. Because I ain't saying that discouragement won't come. 